0: to As For Me and My House.
1: Thanks again for joining us as we get back into our study in Philippians. If you have your study sheet with you, you know that we're in Philippians 1, uh, verses 9 through 11, just a few verses today. And uh, if you've been looking at these verses all week, or even earlier today, you know that these verses are about prayer. This is what the Apostle Paul is writing about. And uh, I just want to ask the question, you know, what are the things that we as Christians uh, most often pray for ourselves and for others? If we stop and think about that, what do we really pray for the most? And also another question, um, what aspects of prayer do we find difficult? I mean, isn't it true that most believers uh, do find prayer challenging at times? And, you know, um, as we think on these questions, I couldn't help but think about this last week. I'm just going to tell a story. Lauren, you were there. You were a part of this experience. It was about uh, maybe a couple weeks ago that, that I was in Canadian Tire, and I had this, this impulse to buy a kite. And I thought, this is an activity that we can do with our kids on our own. And so a few days later, we had a windy day, and we went out and used this kite. And uh, Lauren, like I was telling you, I mean, I have I hadn't used a kite, and I don't know how how long I couldn't even remember the last time I used a kite. Um, our poor kids—that means they hadn't flown a kite until this day—and so there we were, and we put this kite together, and um, you know, took it out, and I was, I'm embarrassed to tell everybody at home this, but uh, you know, we—I was running around, we were running around, I couldn't get this kite up. Uh, Zach and I were running. It just was not it's not, not lifting up off the ground. And I thought to myself, wow, isn't maybe this a bit of a picture of prayer for a lot of us? Uh, when we finally go to do it, sometimes we feel like our prayers just don't get off the ground. Uh, we don't know always what we're doing or how we're doing it. And um, for some of us, we can feel a little bit defeated in our prayers. Well, here's the good part of the story, the second half. Uh, it was just a few minutes later that... Lauren, you, my faithful, helpful wife, uh, waved us over and um, pointed me into the instruction sheet. And, and of course, yeah, there it was. Um, typical guy. I had not put the kite together properly. There was one part I had put in the wrong place, and you had seen that I didn't read the instructions. And so we uh, readjusted that part, got it in its right place. And in minutes... Uh, we were flying high, that <laughs> we were having a great day with that kite. And that kite was soaring. Uh, we felt the power of the wind uh, taking this thing. Hmm. And it, that also was just a great picture for me to say, you know, um, read the instructions and, and your, your kite will soar high. And, and this is really what we have in, this, uh, in these verses with the hmm. Apostle Paul. He is really just laying out the template He's laying out the instructions for us of, of, um, of how we need to pray for ourselves and for one another. And um, and, and that's what we're going to find in these verses. This is how our prayers can, can soar, how they can ascend. Now, we know that the power is not in our words. It is in the winds of heaven. But nonetheless, we, we want to pray the right kind of prayers. We want to follow the right kind of instructions so that we are... Um, we are praying as we need to and seeing God work mm-hmm. in our lives accordingly. So let me read these verses for us and we'll we'll go through the go through them. And it says this in verse nine of chapter one. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. Well, here's how Paul wants us to pray. Paul loves this church in Philippi and he only wants the best for them. And so what we find is the first thing, the main thing, the main thing that Paul prays for in this in this passage, we have right there at the start of verse 9. He says, It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. Um, this means they had love, but Paul is praying that it would increase, that it would grow more and more, that there would be no ceiling, that the sky would be the limit for their, their love. But, but Lauren, I want to ask, why love? Why is this the main subject of Paul's prayer? As we studied this this week, what did we, mm-hmm. what did we find?
0: Yeah, it's... Excellent question. It's, um, it's the greatest command given in scripture. It's the summary of the whole law in a nutshell, love for God and love for others. It's the greatest Christian virtue. It's the first fruit of the spirit. And without it, our Christian life really counts for nothing. I was just reading a book recently, and it reminded me that Paul, Peter, John, and Jesus all made this their primary focus. Paul says we can have a faith that moves mountains. We can give all we have to the poor. We can even die a martyr's death. But if we have not love, it is worthless. Peter says that above everything, we must love each other deeply. John says love is the sign that we are born of God and know him. And Jesus says that our love for one another is the clearest evidence that we are truly his disciples.
1: Yes, yeah, love is... Is it really not the, the, the distinctive mark of the Christian life? Mm-hmm. It is the surpassing virtue. Um, it is the greatest thing. I mean, the whole Christian life begins and ends with love. And we all know how, how, how difficult it can be to do that, mm-hmm. right? To, 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 to love as we ought to love. And um, this is why it makes so much sense that Paul would say, this is the main subject of the prayer. This is what I want for you, that your love may abound more and more,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, that makes a lot of sense. But here's the thing: we uh, could probably see that if Paul had just ended his prayer right there in those few little words that we just discussed, um, I think I think that would have been accepted well in our culture.
0: Mm.
1: Like, I think people would sign off on that. Um, now, like, why why is that? Um, it, like, how is love defined in our culture? If Paul had stopped there. Mm. Um, how is love defined in our culture?
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it's because love in our culture is defined as a, a feeling, something we fall into, an emotion that we cannot control. Um, it's also overused. It's, it's everything. People say, I love bacon or camping, or, or in your case, Brent, I love hockey or pizza. I,
1: I do love, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or in my case, chocolate or coffee. Right. But when we use love so often with these things, it actually loses its depth of meaning. And it's also very selfish in our culture. It's all about our wants and our desires and what will satisfy our appetites. And that's not truly love. Uh, it's an emotion or an orientation in our culture that's all about self, how people and things make me feel. And it's still very fueled by selfishness.
1: Yeah. So love is, a, it's a, the idea of love in our culture is, is reduced. Mm. It's confused. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another way that that love is defined in our culture, as we probably all know, is, is just by understanding it as like a hyper tolerance uh, where anything goes, that we would love each other by just saying, you know, live and let live, um, you know, just embrace, you know, embrace their choices, approve their decisions. Mm. That's how you love some, somebody. Mm. Um, and, and if Paul were talking about love, like in those examples we just gave, uh, obviously, I think our culture would uh, receive that. And they would agree with that. But um, that's not what Paul's talking about. The Bible has its own precise definition of love. And in this verse, uh, the word for love is that Greek word agape. It's probably familiar to a lot of you at home. And, um, And agape is a very specific kind of love. And it's not driven by emotions and feelings. It's really driven by humility. It's a selfless love. It's a love that has like a duty for others. Mm -hmm. It's a decisive action. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not devoid of feelings, but it's just not driven by them. Um, It really is all about what is best for the other person. Mm -hmm. And so...
0: Yeah. Yeah, scripture really speaks to that agape love. And scripture also speaks to the fact that we're not to follow our hearts like culture would tell us. Jeremiah says that the, the heart is deceitful above all things. You know, just like you were saying, true agape love is not seeking things for self. It's not falling into love. It is pouring out oneself for another because we care about them more than we care about ourselves. It's pouring oneself out to someone that has nothing to offer us. It's an action and a choice. Uh, In scripture, um, Romans 5, 8 says, Christ showed his own agape for us in this while we were yet sinners which that word is sinful, depraved, detestable, Mm -hmm. Christ died for us. And so we had nothing to offer him. He wasn't thinking of himself or pleasure. He he actually suffered pain in order that we might be saved.
1: Yeah, this love is really the most beautiful kind of love there could be. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you think about it, it's the kind of love that we all want to be loved by. Mm -hmm. Who doesn't want to be loved... Uh, by someone in a selfless way, in a humble way, in a sacrificial way. Definitely. Uh, who doesn't want friendship like that? Who doesn't want a marriage like that? Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the God we have, mm-hmm. a God that is this way to us. We see that in the gospel, um, in, in all its purity, mm-hmm. and in all of its um, brightness and clarity, mm-hmm. uh, the perfect picture of agape love. And that's what Paul... Say, is saying, you know, we want to pray this in our lives and for the other Christians in our lives, that we would have this same kind of agape love for one another, um, again, with no limits, abounding more mm. and, and more. Um, now, that sounds wonderful, <laughs> but how do we get there?
0: Mm. Uh,
1: how do we get, we know that's not, not easy. And, and here is, again, like Paul showing us the template Paul is giving us the instructions. He's saying, read this prayer, use this prayer, get your prayers off the ground um, to to start abounding in this kind of love. And so we continue on in the verse, he says, uh, that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. So there it is, with knowledge Mm -hmm. and all discernment.
0: Yeah, I, I love this. It's, our love is not to abound in emotion and sentiment, but with knowledge and discernment. It really is an intelligent love. We often think of love as just an emotional thing, but this love is with the mind. It's intelligent. It's thoughtful. It's discerning. In essence, he is saying this love is not this mushy-gushy emotionalism. Uh, we must use our head and sanctify our thoughts if we are to love well.
1: Yeah, in the uh, NASB translation, it says uh, real knowledge. And I just like that because um, it's it's pointing us to the fact that this isn't just general knowledge. We're not talking about somebody just becoming smarter mm-hmm. with, um, you know, uh, like book knowledge. Yeah. But this is a spiritual knowledge. It's knowledge of God and the things of God. Uh, I mean, you can have a high IQ. You can have a high GPA but still lack the kind of knowledge that this verse is talking about. Mm -hmm. This isn't about how smart you are, um, but Paul is saying this is about how close you are to God and His truth. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, how how much you're abiding with God and in His truth. So here's the foundation, Paul is saying. The foundation of your love is you have to know God. You have to know His truth. This is where you, you need to be.
0: Yeah, it's it's not just doing about Christ, it's right. it's knowing him personally. Just like Paul says in Philippians 3, I want to know Christ. It's he knows Christ, but he wants to know him better, keep growing in that knowledge of him. So it's not just a head knowledge, it is a heart knowledge. And I think it's important to just note um that this love is to abound in knowledge, I think so often we focus on, or some churches focus on one or the other. Like it's all theology or knowledge, or it's all love. But this, um, a knowledge without love puffs up. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So we need both of them together.
1: hmm mm-hmm. We do, yeah. And and uh, it's, and it's just this, you know, so vital, right? That our that our, our love is, is being founded on knowledge of God and his word.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think we really do need to dwell on this. If we're going to love others well, we do need to be rooted on, uh, in the word of God. Uh, if we, if we're not, mm-hmm. if we're not, um, what what's going to happen? Uh, and I think the reality is, uh, is that we won't know what's right. Um, we, we will think we know what's right. Uh, we might be trying to help somebody, but our help will just be opinion. Um, our, our help could actually be leading somebody astray. Uh, I think of uh, this verse in Proverbs fourteen thirteen, where it says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death.
0: Yeah, we, we can't love others properly without a proper knowledge. Hosea 4, 6 also says, my people are destroyed for lack of what? It's, it's knowledge. You know, if we lack knowledge, we could be in danger of communicating our affection or support for someone in such a way that they feel justified or free and continuing in a lifestyle of unrepentant sin. And that would be detrimental. So without knowledge, like you said, Brent, we could lead people down the wrong path, the path uh,
1: of destruction. Mm-hmm. So love love with knowledge um, is really asking uh, what is right and you know, with that, with that, it's calling us to put everything under the authority of God's word. Uh, we would be asking ourselves questions. What does God's word say about this relationship that I have in my life? Uh, what does God's word say about dating and marriage or loving my enemies? Uh, how should I love my friends, my co-workers, uh, my kids, the nations, the least of these? Um, if we're going to love people well, we need to go to God's word, spend time with God, hear mm-hmm. what he is telling us about that and get our love rooted in the Word of God. Otherwise, we're not gonna know how to love people appropriately, mm-hmm. but could be taking them and ourselves down the wrong path. But also with that, um, we should see that Paul says um, that your love would be in knowledge and discernment. Mm-hmm. There's a second part to this. And why is discernment uh, added next to knowledge?
0: Yeah. Discernment is really the the application of knowledge. It is the ability to understand, interpret, and apply that truth skillfully. You know, we all need discernment in life. We all lack wisdom in different situations. We all need guidance. We need discernment to come alongside different people in different situations and to know how to apply love in their particular situation. You know, some people might need a stern reproof in love. Others might need a gentle word. Of encouragement, and still others might need practical help. Mm-hmm. So we must discern what people's real needs are, so that we can best come alongside them.
1: Right. So when we think about knowledge, just before there, it's asking what is right, and when we think about discernment, it's asking now what is best. Mm-hmm. How do I take what's right and apply it in the in the best way? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I, I like I like this picture of like a, a bicycle with the two pedals you know, you push one pedal down and you need to push the other pedal down. Mm -hmm. It works properly when both are are in tandem, working together. So knowledge and discernment, knowledge and discernment. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that discernment piece is so important. Uh, I think so many times in in the church and in our Christian lives, and I've been guilty of this myself many times, that sometimes we treat God's knowledge or truth like a blunt object hmm. that we just, you know, that we'll just maybe hit someone with. And it's not meant to be that. It's hmm. meant to be a balm that we would heal someone with. God, God's word is there to, um, to to bless us and to build us up. And so we want to be, Paul's saying, I love you, church. I want your I want your love for each other to, to grow and abound. And to do that, you need to grow in knowledge of God, but also in discernment that you would apply God's truth skillfully with one another. That's how you care for one another. Mm-hmm. So I hope that's our prayer as well, but we're going to move on here to the next part. We, we, Paul, has, Paul is taking us on a journey here. He's saying, pray like this, and as you do, you will then be able, as we go on, to approve the, to approve the things that are excellent that's verse ten. So that you, so that you may approve uh, what is excellent. Now, um, this this idea of approving what is excellent, you know, here we see God's heart for us. Hmm. God cares that we have what is excellent in our lives. That word approve um, means to inspect. Um, it, it is to uh, examine. Um, it is in the Greek to to differ. Uh, you'll find in the Bible that this is used in places to inspect uh, metals, uh, valuable metals, or or animals, or even the the state of the sky, the weather. Um, in our in our in our world, we do it. I think of sports. You know, where we have tryouts, hmm. where that we're examining and testing uh, who who's going to make the cut. We want the best. We want the excellent on our team, and so. Uh, that's what that's what that's, um, getting us to. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was also just reflecting on how it relates to Romans twelve two. Uh, in Romans twelve two, we read, "Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world." You know, the patterns of this world are not things we should approve. They are not excellent. They're seeking to ruin our souls. Uh, so, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So, our minds need to be renewed if we are to approve what is excellent. Then it says, renew your minds so that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, in order to approve what is excellent, we need to remo- renew our mind in God's truth and his word so that we will know what is excellent. So that we can then approve what is excellent, and finally, so that we can choose what is excellent.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, what are some of the choices in life um, that that should require this testing or examination for excellence? Um, you know, it's really everything. But obviously, we can think of things like um, the spouse that we would have, mm-hmm. uh, or how we use our, our money, our time, our talent. Um, and, and God is saying, "I want you to, I want you to be able to have." The best in your life what what is excellent um, and so sometimes the hardest decisions in life are discerning what is what is good from what is best and God's saying I want you to have what is excellent yeah
0: yeah for for young people this future spouse ideas are really a really big one and this is one I just I pray for my son and daughter almost nightly that that this is a huge decision this is this is big. Um, so we want to just encourage you. This is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Um, young people, if you're looking for a future spouse, men, you want to find uh, the excellent wife of Proverbs 31. Women, you want to find the uh, men of excellent character of elder quality found in Timothy and Titus. This is what I pray for my kids. I pray for Aenea that she would become a Proverbs 31 woman and a Titus 2 woman and that um, and that Zach would would also marry that woman and and that um, Aenea would marry a man of elder quality. Um, you know, so often young people make lists of what they want in a future spouse and many times these lists fall short by focusing on outward appearance and common interests rather than character. So I would really encourage you to look at those lists in scripture. They are there to guide us in wisdom. You know, in Proverbs 31, you find, um, someone who is God-fearing, hardworking, hospitable, generous, kind, trustworthy, honorable, and wise. Those are those are excellent qualities you want to look for. Um, young ladies look for men of elder quality that have personal integrity, spiritual maturity, and are self-controlled. These things
1: are excellent. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope we just see God's heart in this for us, that he's really um, leading us to, again, the, the best, the things that will, hmm. will bless us as as his people. So a love that is uh, controlled by knowledge and discernment will pursue what is excellent, and that will lead to a, re- a result. It says at the uh, end of verse 10, uh, and the result is this, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. And so here we see two results that we that this will bring us to, um, on the day that we stand before Christ, and the first result um, that is generated is 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 uh, being pure. And the NASB says the word sincere. Um,
0: yeah, I love that word. And in the Greek, in the original language, it means to judge by sunlight. Um, there's this um, just story in 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 ancient Rome where they would have. Pottery, and they would make pottery. And if it developed cracks, that um, some deceitful people would cover up those cracks with wax. They're
1: trying to sell those pots with yeah, cracks in
0: them, even though they're worthless. They heat yeah. them up, and the the yeah. wax will melt. But they're trying to deceive people because they invested money into it, and they want to make money from it. So they would try to sell them in the marketplace. And the only way to judge the condition of this pottery was to hold it up to the sunlight and to see if. Um, if there were cracks that were being covered over with deception. So to be sincere or pure means that there is no cover-up in our lives. It means that we are without wax and cracks. We are without hypocrisy. So there's an integrity and a wholeness about our lives. And I just want to note that if if we do have cracks in our lives, not to cover them up, but even to find a trusted friend or a mentor to confess those, to to be honest with ourselves and with others, and that will result in our growth.
1: Mm-hmm. So this this purity, this purity that um, the Lord wants in our lives, is a is a personal integrity, right? It's this idea of being real and genuine, um, ridding us ridding us of the hypocrisy in our lives. Again, I hope we see God's goodness in His plan for us. So it, so this kind of life, this kind of love that's growing, is meant to generate this purity. And there's also this word, and being blameless. uh, Blameless for the day of Christ Jesus. Um, The purity is about the personal integrity. Uh, The blamelessness is about relational integrity. This now has the idea of not causing other people to stumble.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh, Can we make other people stumble sometimes in our lives? Um, Well, we can. Um, Maybe a lot of us think we, we don't or we won't. Um, But there are ways that we can be leading people, um, you know, off the path of following the Lord. Um, It could be in, you know, how we speak, how we act, how we dress. Uh, And the Lord wants to work something in our lives where we would have a relational integrity, where we're only leading people in the best of ways Mm -hmm. to the Lord.
0: Yeah. So to be blameless, it's not a sinless perfection, but it's knowing that this Christian life is a a fight. We're called to put sin to death. We want to be a good example for others. And I just want to say, lest we think this is impossible, that there is a grace for us here to empower and to help us. Uh, I think of the verse in Jude uh, one twenty four. it says, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, that he is able to keep us from stumbling there is grace for us here, um, and that that Christ will hold us fast. He began a good work in us, and He will carry us through. So we need to cling to Him.
1: And all and all of this, as it says in verse uh, verse ten, is in view of the day of Christ. Hmm. And um, you know what a important reminder for us that. Every believer will stand before every everybody will stand Mm. before the Lord. Mm -hmm. But the day of Christ is um, a term that is uh, really speaking about believers when they stand before the Lord for the day of um, their reward or not reward. Um, And we want to stand before the Lord. Paul is saying you want to stand there pure. Mm -hmm. You, you, You know, God again, Christ has made you positionally righteous and justified. But as we look at our lives, how we live for the Lord, we want to see a sanctified purity, a sanctified blamelessness, mm-hmm. an integrity, and um, and a, and a, and a blessing of others in our lives that the Lord will say, "Well done," mm-hmm. for um, we need to have that Day of Christ in in view. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a real day. It's a day that's coming for every believer, and it's a it, it's a it's meant to be a great day, where we stand before the Lord in this way, and so. Um, as we move on here, the next thing that Paul says is um, that this is also then verse eleven. This this is going to lead us to be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God.
0: Yeah. So this this fruit of righteousness righteousness comes from being united to Christ. We are we are declared righteous first, and then we become what we are as we abide in Christ and allow Him to bear fruit through us. You know, we can only bear fruit in union with him, and apart from him, we can do nothing. So fruit is anything that Jesus does in us and through us. And uh, I once heard um, that there are at, there is attitude fruit and there is action fruit, and I really like that. There is attitude fruit that we can see in the fruit of the spirit, the first three of which are really um, talked about in the book of Philippians, love, joy, and peace. And then there's the action fruit. Yeah, in Galatians. Oh, Galatians, sorry. No, no, no. The fruit of the Spirit's in Galatians. But Philippians really focuses on those three. Right. That love may abound and that there would be joy in our lives and this peace that surpasses understanding. Um, And and then the action fruit of sharing the gospel and caring for the least and giving sacrificially, serving with our gifts, leading others to Christ. Those are the things that came to mind.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. The fruit of righteousness. This is the result. Um, uh, You know, this is is, uh, something that only comes, as it says, through Christ Jesus. And so um, we come to the end now here in verse 11, uh, where it says, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The end goal that God would be glorified. I was just reflecting on this. You know, the world's goal is the opposite of this prayer. This is the battle we must fight daily. Whose glory will we live for? Right. Will we live for our own? Or are we going to live for God's? Will we point? Will we live to point to ourselves so that we might be praised or would we uh, live so that he might be praised? You know, our world is all about self love and self esteem with some selfish ambition with the result of self glory. And this prayer is a love for God and others that results in godly ambitions and choices so that God would be glorified. You know, one is empty and unsatisfying, I know, because I've run hard after that. And the other is eternally fruitful, it's rewarding, and it fulfills the goal of our entire existence.
1: Yeah. So we look at Paul's prayer for this church that he loves, and it is um, a, a love he wants us to love uh, more and more. Hmm. Yeah, which
0: in knowledge and discernment that we would make good and godly choices. That we would
1: approve what is it's leading to a pursuit of what's excellent. Uh, it's so that on the day of Christ, we're we're standing there. Um, pure and, and blame this and looking back and this mm-hmm. is the idea the past tense is looking back on this this, um, uh, looking back on the fruit of righteousness looking back on these good works that mm-hmm. have been fulfilled mm-hmm. in, in our lives mm-hmm. and um, you know can you think of a better prayer for our lives mm-hmm. for your life and my life the people in our church the people that we love as brothers and sisters in the Lord um uh, this is the kind of prayer that we need to pray for one another, and um, m- Paul Paul is, is is asking and hoping that we will pray this way, and so that our prayers would get off the ground, that our prayers would would soar to places where the wind of heaven can can pick them up and and bless and do great things. Hmm. Well, I hope that today that um, our time in these verses has caused us to want to pray more. I hope that it's caused us to um, think on how to pray, how to pray better, how to pray more informed in a way that would um, bring the blessing that God intends for our lives. Well, I think the best way, of course, to end our time together would be to pray. Um, And so I want to say thank you for joining us again. Thank you for being a part of this study. And uh, why don't we bow in in prayer? And uh, we want to encourage you to pray this prayer this week. Uh, pray this prayer for, for, for other people in your lives. Maybe even pick three or four people that you know that you want to pray this prayer over. Well, let's bow in prayer together. Lord, we want to ask today, um, first of all, we want to thank you that you are our shepherd, that you lead us and you guide us, that you show us the way, that you've given us um, your instructions on how to, how to live, how to live, how to truly have life, Uh, Lord, forgive us for where we have reduced prayer to um, a shopping list of things that we want. Um, Help us to pray in the ways that you're showing us to pray today. We pray that our love for one another would abound more and more in true knowledge and discernment. We want to pray that you would prioritize in our lives, help us to seek what is of most importance, what is excellent, that we would grow in purity and blamelessness, until the day of Christ that is coming uh, for all of us. And we pray that we would bear fruit in our lives and so bring glory and praise to God. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen.